I think there's a state law that you are not you have not been allowed to update in any way an airport in Hawaii since 1974. Well, once she gets the hang of it, she can go through about 12 shots in a second and a half. Bang, 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 bang. Charge me the $25. Charge me the $25. Charge me the $25 for the iced tea and then get out of my face. Here we are. We're back in the garage under the flight path at Los Angeles International Airport. How are, how are you? Hey, it's Dan Class. It's the bitterest pill. Recording here in, in my garage. How have you been? Good. Good to hear it. So, we're back from Hawaii, on the island of Lanai, and uh, holy cow. I think I have jet lag. No, I don't think I know. Now, I'm pretty sure, what, what is jet lag, really? Basically, it has nothing really to do with the jet at all, other than the jet takes you somewhere abnormally fast. Or the, then you have to deal with being in a time zone. Three time zones away from where you normally are. I guess that's the jet part, right? You jet. Because if you drove, you know, if you drove from time zone to time zone, probably wouldn't really be that big a deal, right? You just, you know, you drive for a day. Drive for two days and then you, you know, lose an hour, gain an hour. But jet, I suppose if you jet, then you got to deal with like these big lumps of time that you can't deal with. And, um, you know, I can never remember which is the tough one. The one where you go east or the one where you go west is the one where you go east. Pretty sure. Because I don't want to go to sleep at night. Although I'm exhausted, I just don't, you know. And I sure as heck don't want to get up. So, whatever. We're still on Hawaii time, apparently, even though we're back here in California. So, we had a glorious uh, time. Listen, I got to tell you. So, where did we leave off? For those of you following along yeah we um you know we survived the little plane basically we had to take a little plane from uh let me get this straight from honolulu is that right doesn't matter i mean honestly i could just make up anything right i could say we had to take it from anywhere to anywhere and it, i mean it really wouldn't would it really change the story at all is the point of the story that we we took off and from honolulu don't you love when people get bogged down on completely unnecessary information? Oh, was it, don't you, you know, your, like your wife, your mother-in-law, your brother, your next-door neighbor, somebody's, some, somebody's trying to tell you a story, and they're oh, yeah, you know, so funny. I, I was talking to this friend of mine. He said the most amazing thing. We were standing on the street. I think it was a Third, no, was it Third Street? Was it, was it the corner of Third, or was that the corner of Sixth? Because I always get those two confused. What was the most amazing thing? You were just about to tell me the most amazing thing, and now you're arguing with yourself about whether it was on 3rd Street or 6th Street. Who cares? What was the most amazing thing? So we flew from, uh, you know, Island X to Lanai. On this single prop plane, and I got to tell you, you know, I don't, I don't like roller coasters. I don't like any of that stuff. But... You know, I got to be cool, man, because I'm the dad. You know, we got the mom and the dad, and then we got to be cool, man, for the kids. We can't have kids and parents freaking out for 40 minutes or whatever it is to take to fly from 6th Street to 3rd uh, Street, from Honolulu to Lanai. Luckily, and you know, to make it more uh, whatever, we were on there with three people that we knew professionally, co, you know, professional associates of my wife. So I can't freak out or pee my pants or throw up because, you know, you, you don't want to throw up and then spend a week in Hawaii with some business people. You don't want to do that. You don't want to throw up first thing like, hey, hey blah. You don't want to do that. You got to be cool, man. So, but H, you know, H and T, the kids, they're very good travelers. But even still, and I, you know, I don't want to embarrass uh, H, but... You know, listen, from when he was a little kid, we got into this habit. We, you know, we hold hands or touch in some way, some make some physical contact upon takeoff. And then, you know, like I say, th this is a tiny, I mean, seriously, I'm not exaggerating, eight seats 
two, four, six, maybe seven seats, actually. And then the pilot and the co-pilot. Well, we take off. And then, you know, H and I decide we're going to kind of, you know, we're going to remain connected. Let's put it that way. Okay, we're going to remain connected through the flight. And the guy in the back, you know, the co, the, the, the professional associate of my wife's, he's kind of joking around like, ah, ha, ha, hey, Dan, you guys are holding hands. Is, are you comforting him or is he comforting you? Ha, ha. And I'm like, ha, 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 ha. Oh, oh, that's funny. That's funny because you know what? I'm so glad that we actually are, jackass, because I'm freaking out because do you see how high we are right now? If we fell out of the sky right now, would you be able to survive it? I don't think so. But the flight was beautiful. Wow, it's kind of amazing. Now I understand. You know, I kind of get it why Cousin Ronnie uh, wanted to learn to fly other than, you know, because he's financially capable of doing so and has apparently, you know, the free time of someone who made some good, good, hardworking decisions in his 30s and now reaping the benefits in his, you know, 40s. You know, we're flying over the ocean, the water. We can see this island and that island. We can see the waves and the this and the that. Go through some clouds. There's this big kind of... It was wild. We're flying through the clouds. And every once in a while, I can see the shadow of the plane right out my window. And the shadow of the plane is ringed by a circular rainbow. If you can imagine, like, you know, a rainbow is usually either a semi-circle, you know, half a arc, arch, you know what I'm saying. It's usually half, it's, it's usually from there, there's usually, you know, half a circle. This is a full circle. This is a full 360 rainbow target. <laughs> That's what it looked like, I'm sorry. Around the shadow of the plane. Like at any moment, we could be shot down out of the sky by leprechauns. And I'm trying to show it to Hudson. And I, you know, how do you point out something like that? Hudson, is, do you see the cloud that's kind of shaped like Mount Everest? Do you see the one? Well, now, now it's gone. Okay, you see see how we're coming? See the edge of the cloud? Okay, forget it. Do You, see, you can't do it. You either see the target rainbow leprechaun tracking system device on the plane shadow or you don't but we made it all the way to the night and nobody got uh you know air sick or anything and we didn't take any we weren't smart enough at that point to take dramamine or uh you know where those little you know those little bracelets that you can buy that press press on your uh, wrist pressure point you know what I'm saying? You're, if you give yourself a little acupressure, it's supposed to alleviate your nausea. And, the, and we even owned some. We even bought some because we were new. We were going to try to do a little mammal watching. Not whale watching, but just sea mammal watching. We were going to do that. So we bought these bands. These bands you put on your wrist that theoretically, <laughs> we'll see about any of this. They supposedly help you with your nausea. Well, we finally, we land in Lanai. Now, I got to tell you something. So, so far, and, I, and, and so far I've landed in Hawaii, you know, three or four different places, let's say. Okay. Kona, Maui, and then um, I guess Honolulu now, right? or wherever that was, 3rd Street, and then Lanai. Now, Kona is exactly what you would expect. It's this tiny little airport. There's barely anything there. It all looks like it's made out of lava, just stacks of lava rock. But it's exactly what you look like. They put a layer on your neck and you go get your bags. Maui, I have absolutely no remembrance of whatsoever. But by and large, I don't know if it's maybe a state law, no airport that I have seen. And maybe this is why I can't remember. I mean, I seriously, I have no recollection of Maui 
airport whatsoever. So let me know. Maybe maybe that's the one, you know. I think there's a state law that you are not you have not been allowed to update in any way an airport in Hawaii since 1974. There's just dank and they're dark, there's wood paneling and this is the nice, you know, this is this is the Honolulu airport is like literally looks like someone's finished basement from the suburbs during the disco era. It's just it's bizarre. I mean, seriously, when the only place that I can find to eat is the Burger King, you know things, right? Who cares about the airport? But the airport at Lanai is almost not even an airport. It's just, it's a runway and a little hut. There's one, I mean, would you even call it a terminal? There's just a building. There's a building with a couple of desks. I mean, it's kind of cute. It's almost like someone built a set to, uh, of tiny chunks of an airport. And they kind of put them all together like, okay, this little corner, this will be security. This is where the people come in and check in. And then they can wait for their flight here in these six chairs and then they fly in and out. But, you know, once you start to think about it, hey, listen, the planes, the biggest plane that can fly in and out of this place only hold about a dozen people. How many chairs do you need? Well, you know, we make it to the resort. The resort is is gorgeous, of course. You know, it's a four-star, four seasons. I mean, the kind of place that obviously, you know, under our own steam, we would never go. But Lanai is deserted. I mean, really, honestly, Lanai, and I think I told you last time when I was, you know, whispering into my iPod. At one time, Lanai was... um, you know, just plantation land, really. Coca- uh, uh, pineapples. Pineapple, pie, pineapple, 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 pineapple. And uh, vaguely the story goes that when they moved out all the pineapples, there was a population there of, you know, 3,000 people with nothing to do. Thanks. And if I understand correctly, you know, it's like a game of telephone tag. Getting the history of Lanai, I should look it up. Um... You know, some, you know, Murdoch or whoever owns the place now either built the resorts or told the Four Seasons they could build the resorts. There are these two Four Seasons on the island and then, you know, the locals. The locals, who I'm sure, are all very happy to have a four, couple Four Seasons to work at. I, I know I would be. And But literally, did I tell you this? There's five cops on the whole island. I mean, this is an island you can see, I'm pretty sure, on a globe. I mean, it's big enough, right, where you could point it out on a globe, a normal-sized globe, five cops. Because there's, that's how few people there are. I mean, th- really, 3,000 people, five cops, that's pretty good. Five cops, one gas station, four pumps. We count it. So, uh, no, and I, and I think I told you, we weren't really, we were not going to go this year. We're too, like the rest of America, we're in a financial, you know, sphincters freeze. You know what I mean? We're, you know, like things, nothing's changed for us, really, honestly. There's just that feeling of pending doom. There's that constant, constant drum roll of death. We just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So, you do, right, we've all battened down the hatches. So, we were not going to go this year, except that the trip fell upon my beautiful boy's 10th birthday. So the idea of mom being away for the 10th birthday, you know, 9th, you could swing it with regrets. 11, but 10, no, 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 we, we just couldn't do it. So we all went. And, uh, you know, Mama got on the phone. She made all these plans for things for the kids to do that I would take them to do while she was working. If she could swing it, she would come with us. But blah, 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 blah. So the second uh, day we were there, we, um, we, were, we were scheduled to go to the lodge to go. The kids were going to go horseback riding. Which really meant pony riding. We knew it meant pony riding because if you go horseback riding, you go for, you know, like an hour by yourself. You're on a horse. The kids are too young and too inexperienced. They can't do that. They're going to ride a pony. And they sell everything by saying, well, you're going to take a pony lesson for X number of minutes and then you're going to ride a pony. 
which I'm thinking, great, because you know what? The only other time that the kids have ever ridden a horse or a pony, it's been in a corral. It's been in a corral either at, a, at Griffith Park here in L.A. You know, over near the zoo, there's this area. I don't know. What do you want to call it? Where they've got a bunch of horses and ponies and a little train that goes around. You can ride a horse or a pony and the train goes around. Or they go to this great place in uh, the town where my folks live, which is San Juan Capistrano. And there's this place called, uh, uh, Dan, what's it called? Is it 6th Street or 3rd Street? I forget now. This place where you can go, and, and Hudson used to go there and ride uh, Blackjack. Blackjack was his horse, and he used to go ride Blackjack all the time. Because we don't really take the kids to Pony Lane. We're not, we're not that. We don't, we don't do that. We don't have that. We're not that. We don't, we're, what? No. Listen, I can barely make it through the day. I'm going to drive my kids to horsey, horsey lessons? I don't think so. But, so I, so listen, Melissa, you know, says this thing, and I'm thinking, hey, this is great. The kids are going to finally get out of a corral and ride a damn pony. Now, I'll tell you why I was excited about this. Because as a parent, basically, you get excited about things because you feel like you might, you know, either do something by proxy or experience something, succeed at something by proxy or relive part of your, you know, whatever through your kids and see how they do, see how they like it. Maybe they'll like it. Well, when I was a kid, and I don't know if I've ever even told you this, but um, when I was a kid, my mother always loved horses. And uh, for a while, for about three years, we lived in uh, England. Now, my dad worked for East Kodak, and we got transferred over there, and blimey, blimey, ho-dee-ho, Mary Poppins, here we go. We end up in England. Uh, honestly, we end up in England uh, for my 10th birthday. I, you know, we land, we check into the hotel, I turn 10 in England, jolly good old chap. So, now the reason I bring up England is while we were there, my sister and I took horseback riding lessons. Now, you have to understand, this is not in America. This is in England. So we didn't ride cowboy hats and spurs and, you know, it was very British with British saddles and British helmets. You know, do you remember those helmets, the like black? Have you ever seen those? I guess you see them on the east coast of the United States. Do they wear those for polo? But it's basically, it kind of looks like, um, it's more similar to a baseball cap than anything else, but it's covered in black velvet, felt, velvet, velvet. And pretty much, especially back in those days, that's all you, you know, we weren't into candy colored anything. So it was black, you know, very traditional black velvet helmet. If you wore boots, if you really, you know, were a dandy or whatever, you'd get the like jodhpurs, which were always tan and the black boots and you'd have a little crop. So we didn't do all that, but we did have to have, you had to have the black helmet. And you had to have a crop because you had to, you know, beat on the horse. You're really not happening with an English uh, saddle and helmet if you don't have a crop. So we had, so I had a 10 year, it was probably 11 or 12 by then. Let's say 11 and a half. I had, you know, the velvet felt hat thing and my crop riding my British saddle, you know, in my American denim tough skin jacket, you know, my maroon tough skin outfit with the big puffy shirt. You know, it was the 70s. And there you go. And actually, I was very good at riding a horse. To tell you, to tell you the truth, and, and this kind of boggles my mind because there's no stinking way that you could ever do this. But we, you know, we would go to this little farm, this ranch, and don't get the wrong idea, again, because it's in Britain. So you're expecting leprechauns, again, leprechauns to jump out of, you know. Um, you know, we'd ride our British saddle. And when you trot, you post, you know, you go up and down. Not like in America where you just <laughs> like that. that no, I, I, especially for guys. Like what guy, what tough ass testicleless cowboy came up with the idea? You know what, Tex, I'm not even going to, uh, you know, like those British guys, they go up and down. I'm, hell, I'm just going to, I'm just going to sit my testicles down here on the saddle and let them get the shit beat out of them. And then you just you're trotting on bum 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 bum. No, that, that, I don't know how they did that. That's how tough cowboys are. They can ride a horse while it trots, banging around on a big leather saddle. British guys, they at least had the good sense to lift up and down, up and down, up and down, and and leave the you know the royal family jewels where they should be. 
But what we would do, and I got so to the point where, you know, you start off walking and then you trot, then you canter, then you gallop, you gallop around, you do this, and then they put you on a feisty pony and you got to duke it out with this feisty pony that doesn't really want to go away from the corral or away from the barn. doesn't matter. Well, I got, we got to the point. And again, maybe, maybe Mr. Forrester, the guy, the teacher guy, old Mr. Forrester, maybe he was nuts. What he would have us do is we would ride usually outside, but sometimes inside. Okay. Inside in a big, uh, you know, what do you call it? Horsey people. You know what I'm saying? A big indoor corral, a big barn. I, you know, I don't know what it was, but it had, you know, a dirt floor, but it was indoors. And we'd go in there and we would learn how to jump. Okay. So you'd ride around in a circle and there'd be a jump. And you'd ride, you know, ride around, jump, ride around, jump, ride around. So you do that for several weeks. And then he would say, okay, um, now you're going to try it without holding on to the uh, reins. This is going to help your balance. Now, I'm sure in the post-Christopher Reeve America, this is hard to imagine, allowing 11-year-old boy to ride around and jump over a big jump on a horse with no stinking hands like he's some sort of uh, suicidal trick rider, but that's what we did. I would like canter, literally canter along. No hands. Now, did I fall off? Of course. But did I get back up? Like a proper British writer, personal effects intact, absolutely. And then when we moved back uh, to America, my my mom said my wife. Wow, that was creepy. Uh, my mom convinced my dad to buy a horse. We had a horse for a while, and then we had a pony. And they, the pony didn't want to leave the corral, and the the horse didn't want to live at our house. So whenever the horse got out of the corral, if you like, if you let go of him, I told you this story. If you let go of him, he would run back to his old farm. My cousin Ronnie was visiting, you know, his whole family was visiting and Ronnie and I were goofing around with the horses and he was in the corral. He's in the corral, in the corral next to the barn, sitting on the horse. Just we're just hanging out, talking, sitting. I don't think he was even, I don't even think the horse had a saddle on. I think we were just, you know, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden the horse just right over the fence and ran down the driveway. So we're running, we're screaming at the horse, like, come back with cousin Ronnie. So I was very excited for the kids to ride, like ride, really ride. Enough of this like little corral penny any, you know. So we go up to the lodge and I don't know, maybe they're just trained differently at the lodge. One of the fantastic things, and I'm telling you, the rich have it made. Because, you know, on these recordings, and you know, these are recordings on these little recordings that I do like this one. I often complain about customer service particularly on the phone or in person, it doesn't really matter. Customer service stinks. People that work in customer service hate it and they hate it and they hate, because of it, hate you. They really hate you and they hate you. Unless you go to a four-star hotel and then apparently, I don't know if they're paid well or they're just trained with a big whip or a stick with nails. I don't know what happens. Your whole life dealing with customer service, the answer is no. Until you go to one of these fancy hotels. And then the answer is absolutely, sir. We'll take care of that right away. Any, anything you come, at least down, you know, at the lower property on Lanai, everywhere down there near the beach with the big pool where we were staying, everything was, yes, sir. Yes. They always call me Mr. Weber and I don't argue because the name's under Melissa's name. And I, yes, Mr. Weber. I don't care. You know what? You want to call me Mr. Weber? If you're going to bring me another iced tea, call me Mr. Weber and give me the iced tea. Charge me the $25 for the iced tea and then get out of my face. And I don't know if maybe the people, so what what it is, is there's two uh, four seasons on this island. You can go to either one. doesn't matter. If you're staying at one, you go to the other. It's not, not a big deal. So we have to go up to the other one to go horse uh, horsey riding. And I don't know, maybe they're just trained differently. Like, Hi, we're here uh, for some horse riding or pony riding. And they give me this look like, uh-huh. Well, don't you know what to do? Well, no, I don't know what to do because I don't freaking work here. I don't live here and I'm not staying here. Don't give me that little like little glimmer. There's never down below. There's never a glimmer. 
And there shouldn't be a glimmer. Uh, listen, if I'm on the property and I'm allowed to be on the property, somebody's paying a couple grand a night for my ass to be there. Don't give me even a flutter of tood when I ask you where the horsies are. Even if I say horsies, which I didn't say, but if I say horsies, you should go, oh, the horsey, oh, you're right over there. Just go, 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 and just explain it. And don't grill me. Don't give me this, well, did you, do you have an appointment? Do you have it scheduled? Are you scheduled? What, what, what name is it under? No, smile, baby. They're smiling down at the beach. What, did you, what is this, the bad job? Oh, working up at the lodge, the fancy, fancy Google billion dollar lodge. This lodge is so gorgeous. Bill Gates got married here. And you're suffering? Is that it? Is that your attitude? Or is it because you're 4'2"? Just drop the attitude and the flutter and all that and pretend I'm Bill Gates and tell me where the stable is. Well, yeah, I have an appointment. The kids are here. Uh, we were told to come on the shuttle that we did. And here we are. And now we're asking about the, um, we're asking about the horses. Because my children are scheduled to go on a pony ride, some kind of pony lesson. I don't know. Again, I don't work here. I've never been here. Okay. I'm trying to be polite and not cop an attitude. I'm trying to really hard. Okay. But if you could point me to the horses before I go postal. So, so she tells us, you got to go out, you know, you got to go back out and wait and they'll come up and get you. Or someone will take you. Someone's going to take you. Well, could we, should we walk or are they going to, no, they'll drive you. They'll drive you. They'll drive you. Don't, because God forbid you walk. You can't walk. You're not allowed to walk. Well, it turns out it's literally half a block away. And when I say block, obviously there's no blocks around the middle of nowhere. It's a former plantation. So, you know, they take us over there and they drop us off. And there's, there's this, this like little, uh, you know, cowgirl down there. And I don't know her name. Let's, we'll call her Dawn. I don't know. I don't know what her name is. So this is a beautiful stable. Trust me. This is not the stable that my sister and I used to muck out back in 1974. This is a beautiful four-star stable. Not too four-star, so you don't want anyone pooping in there, but it's nice. And hey, how you doing? We were expecting, you know, because they're expecting you, of course, because you've scheduled it and it's all, right, everybody's all buttoned up and releases have been faxed back and forth and this and then. How you doing? So, so, you know, Dawn, the cowgirl, goes and gets helmets for the kids. Well, it turns out, even though they're riding Western, they're going to wear like the, what is apparently the 21st century version of the British riding helmet that I used to wear and Mr. Forrester's in Jared's Cross. Except now, of course, because it's the 21st century and it's America, they're not covered in velvet and they're not black. They look like, you know, someone married essentially one of those old black velvet jobbies like I had with a bicycling helmet. So it's got fence, it's plastic, it's, it's uh, styrofoam, dark, you know, styro it's very cool. It's cool. Like if you had to wear a cool, like modern looking uh, riding helmet, that would be it. So they put on their riding helmets and then she says, okay, I'm going to go get uh, the pony that we're going to ride. You're going to take turns and you're going to ride on Pony Boy. Pony Boy is going to be your horsey today. Pony Boy. To which I say to Dawn... His name is really Pony Boy? What do you, you mean like in The Outsiders? And she says, uh, what do you mean? And I say, you know, like in the, I don't know, was it The Outsiders or was it Rumblefish? You know, Pony Boy? What do you mean? Well, now you got to make a decision. You, you Right? Do you, this is going nowhere. Am I the only, uh, did I grow up on a, like, <laughs> you spend all day, all day with a 15-year-old pony named Pony Boy. And children and their parents come here all day, every day from the four seasons. And I'm the first guy, the first guy to mention that Pony Boy is named Pony Boy, and that there's a character Pony Boy in some S.E. Hinton or whatever book. It's either The Outsiders 
or uh, what, what did I say? Rumblefish or one of, one of those books that was turned into a movie? I mean, am I that old that this is just like the most obscure reference that ever? What? You seriously don't know, she, not blank, completely blank. I could have been, I, I, you know, I, I could have been talking about, uh, you know, Charlie Chaplin's mother's maiden name. Pony Boy, you know, like in Rumblefish or The Outsider Pony Boy. No, nothing. Book, you ever, you, no, I'm the first, really, huh? Really, how do people get rich enough to afford to come here? And, and and no one has ever mentioned Pony Boy. Or am I the first person that's ever spoken to the help? I mean, which one is it? Something really bizarre is going on here. When I, a freaking moron, am I'm suddenly like squashing you with my intellectual references. Well, obviously you got to drop that right away, man. Because listen, this this girl, she's a very sweet girl, but she, you know, she's gonna put your kid on a pony. You don't want to, right? Oh, I just go, I, you know, I do my life. Oh no, 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 never mind. It's just the, you know, we're done. We what? Okay. But I'm still excited because listen, this is starting to get a little nostalgic. Look, I'm in a stable. See, when the kids go and ride around a corral at the park or at the little thing, the farm thingy, the farm market thing down near my folks. There's no stable that I ever see. And there's no helmets. You pay uh, some money and they sit you on a thing and a guy walks you around. You know, this is Southern California. It's typically a very pleasant uh, Mexican gentleman in a hat. Okay. But this is different. This, this is a stable they're wearing the helmets. I'm getting a little nostalgic. I got to admit, I'm getting a little nostalgic for when I was 10 and here we are and Hudson's turning 10. This is kind of part of his 10th birthday celebration, this whole thing. I mean, this is part of it, man. He's 10 and I was 10 and I was in England and I, and I started, you know, we were riding and he's riding. He's going to ride, man, because he's going to ride and look at the stable. And this is great. And I, you know what? She led them around uh, by a uh, rope. She led them around by a rope. Essentially around a large corral. The only difference was that instead of doing it for three minutes, she did it for 30. So well, that, that's not a lesson. That's not a lesson. Like teaching the kid where to put their foot in the stirrup and then having them sit on a back of a horse while you walk it around a corral. That, that's not a lesson. A lesson is where you learn, you learn something and then try to do it. That to me is a lesson. A lesson is like, okay, then you do this and then you, and this is how you stop the horse, this is how you make the house. Okay, now I'm going to let go. There's something about the letting go part to me is you got to get to that part in the lesson, but maybe, you know, insurance waivers. I don't know. So God only knows how much Melissa committed to for paying this. And, 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 and oh, you have to keep in mind, again, it's gorgeous. We're on a hill. We're in Lanai. It's a beautiful day. It's sunny. You can see the quote unquote city of Lanai kind of, uh, you know, a couple miles down the hill. And when I say city, of course, I mean the really tiny little town of Lanai that's called Lanai City. But I mean, it's gorgeous and gorgeous and gorgeous. Really, honestly, very nice. She was very sweet. Maybe not well read, but very sweet. She led them around the corral. So then we went back and we ate and we swam, we ate and swam and that's what we did. And we passed out, I'm sure. And I, you know, maybe it was that night that I recorded the last show. I don't know. So then the next day is, um, is going to be, well, here's again, here's how it was sold to my, to my wife. Who, basically what, what Melissa did is before the trip, she called up someone at some concierge desk, you know. And said, hello, concierge, please tell me how I can spend more money while I'm at your uh, lovely resort. And they say, well, <laughs> you know. Now, I don't know what she was told, but I'll tell you what she heard. So let's put it that way. Because she gets off the phone, she says, OK, I signed the kids up for uh, some sort of paintball shooting thing. 
Like, really? I was kind of shocked, to tell you the truth. Yeah, I signed them up. It's kind of like a paintball thing where they shoot these paintballs at these targets and the paint goes everywhere and it sounds like a lot of fun. They have regular shooting there too, apparently. You know, skeet, you know, pigeon, clay pigeon, all that stuff. But uh, but apparently then there's this paintball thing and it just seemed like something fun for the kids. It'll be You know, you'll do it on Hudson's actual birthday and it'll be cool. And I got to tell you, I was kind of shocked because my wife and I are not big on guns. And, uh, you know, for many reasons, um, not the least of which, of course, is that... Um, now, you know, you, you know this story because I, I told it in, in great detail. But my, my second cousin, my mom's cousin, Uncle Mike, was killed in what was at the time, and I sincerely hope still has the dubious honor of being the biggest mass murder in the history of San Francisco. Uh, and, and ever since then, you know, I mean, I was never that big on, you know, firearms to begin with. I had a BB gun when I was a kid and all that stuff. You shoot BBs and pellets down in the basement, you know, put a put a big blanket up and target on it and you go, 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 you know. But you get really kind of anti-gun when a family member is uh, murderized. And I spent a lot of time after that doing you know, comedy material about gun control and stuff like that. You know, that's the way, that's just the way your head goes. But I actually, after all that, I'm really actually not against uh, H using the BB gun. And my dad still has my old BB gun. And my dad, you know, not gave it to Hudson, but you know, like said, hey Hudson, look, we got a BB gun. Let want to shoot some BBs down in this little basement alcove area. And he set up you know, essentially it was the same setup that I had when I was a kid, which was he has these old army blankets, you know, these green, no frills blankets that he would hang up and he put a target on it and, you know, pump, 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 psh, you know, you shoot BBs about one at a time, pump, 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 you know, the crossman, pump, 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 shoot, pump, pump, you know, great workout for the arms, the lats, yeah. But Melissa wasn't hip on it. Melissa was not interested in that continuing whatsoever. And, I mean, you know, as soon as she said she wasn't cool with it, and I'm not going to argue, you know, hey, listen, okay, you're not cool with it, then we're not cool with it, and, I, you know, that, that'll be that. So, you know, we kind of put the kibosh on the BB thing. Now, granted, it was in a very maybe too confined area. Maybe H was a little too young. My dad's not quite as paranoid as... As we are, obviously, because he's the grandparent, that's the grandparent job, not to be as paranoid as the parents. The parents get parent-noid, and grandparents don't get grandparent-noid. It's really, you know, it's not quite the same. So I got to admit, I was really shocked when Melissa says to me, oh, yeah, and I signed them up for paintball rifles. Really? Yeah, paintball rifles sound like some, both of them? Even T, who is not even six? Uh-huh. Sounds great. Okay. So the next day, we go from the beach resort thingy up to the lodge. You know, the lodge. And I was not joking, by the way, this lodge, I think it's called the lodge, the lodge at whatever, I don't know. It's really beautiful. And it really is honestly where Bill Gates got married. Apparently what he did, and this is, you know, again, what money can do. What he decided is he decided he wanted to get married there. And he decided he wanted to be fairly private. So he basically rented out, I think, both resorts. And he rented every airplane and helicopter within flying distance of the island. So there was literally nothing available for you to rent to fly over and try to take pictures of his wedding. No, 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 no. He grounded, he personally grounded all aircraft in the area. For the duration of his nuptials. So we go up to the lodge. The old school looks like a hunting lodge. And how appropriate because we're going to do our little paintball thingy. And I go back up to, I think even the same woman. Like, hi, we're here. Um, we've got an appointment at uh, 1030 for um, hmm, some kind of paintball thing. Paintball. Well, there's no paintball. 
Well, you know, it's like paint rifles. Air, it's like air rifles, paint air rifles. There's air rifles up at the clay sports. Mm-hmm. Okay, again, why are you why are you correct like why are you correcting me in that way? It's not actually. I, I got to tell you something. It's not my job to say it right. It's really not. It's my job to communicate to you in whatever spasmatic way I see fit what I need. And for you to decipher it and act like I'm the most normal person in the world, that is part of your job at a four-star establishment. Don't even give me the flutter, but she's giving me the like, what time is your appointment? So listen, you know, you, you need to quit. I don't know if you're PO'd that your parents got fired from the dole plant when the factory, right? Don't take it out on me. Listen, we're here for some sort of shooting. And it's supposed to start in a half an hour, and I don't know where it is or how to get there. Well, they'll send someone to get you. Okay, great. But I'm starting to get the feeling, because I keep getting corrected, that there are no paintballs. Okay. Dan, Melissa, everyone, attention, there are no paintballs. So this guy comes down from the shooting thingy, Clay Sports. And he puts us in a van and we drive up there. And it's quite a drive, actually. It's, you know, 10-minute drive up. Just up, 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 up into these woods. Up, up. It's actually starting to look... And I'm starting to get nostalgic again because it... it I know it's in Hawaii. But you got to understand, like, I'm, I'm in Los Angeles. I've been here for 20 years. I don't... I'm not in the woods much. Driving around in the woods, especially with pine trees... Now, granted, these are kind of Hawaiian pine trees, but still, we're driving up a country road, up a hill with pine trees on either side, and there's just, you know, like the guardrails on the side, and that's it. I mean, I, I felt like I was back at, in Rochester, getting ready to shoot a can with my uh, crossman. So he lets us out of the van, and I go in the building, and there's this lovely, attentive, pleasant woman in there. Hey, can I help you? Yeah, we're here for the 11 o'clock um, thing. And I thought it was paintballs, I say, like apologetically. Like, listen, I know I don't know what I'm talking about. And, and, and I'm not going to get on anyone's case, which I really could, about somehow confusing my wife enough, who, by the way, is a very intelligent woman, completely confusing her into thinking that this was a, some sort of paintball situation. So I'm going to kind of apologetically go, well, I thought we were here for paintballs, but we're signed up for something for kids, please. Well, it's air, it's air rifles, which basically means BB guns, you know, pellet guns, but you don't have to pump them up like my old dun, dun, dun crossman. I don't, I got, you know, I'm getting a little worried because, okay, so I'm going to go somewhere with a six-year-old girl. And we're going to shoot metal pellets out of some sort of air rifle. And this is a girl that has no fear, conscience, nothing. She's just go, go, go. How, how is this going to work? And in the background, I can hear actual gunfire. Which is not really that relaxing. I, I got to admit it. Actual gunfire is not a relaxing sound. Now, maybe you associate... Actual gunfire with, um, you know, hunting. Hunting or skeet shooting. Maybe you're a clay sports enthusiast. Maybe that's, maybe you, you know, grew up uh, duck hunting with, our, uh, you know, Arthur Charles, Charles Arthur III. I, not me. I associate gunfire with someone blasting a cap in my ass. You understand? I'm in, I've been in L.A. for 20 years. When I hear gunfire, it's time to duck. So I'm not, not, not relaxed. We're not relaxing. This is not relaxing. This is not fun. This is not relaxing. Because there's, there's firing going on and my daughter's here. My son, he's only 10. He deserves to live. Well, we go into the place where apparently we're going to shoot. And, it's this, and the guy that takes us in there is the guy that drove us. Nice enough guy. We're chatting. Whatever. He's got a couple boys. Hey, yeah. Well, it's actually 
this very put together situation as it would have to be, right? Because you really are around guns. Even if they're only shooting pellets, listen, you could really, you ever taken a pellet? I bet it hurts. I never have because I was always careful. Well, there are three shooting stations and a shoot, there are all these targets, okay? And some hang down and some stick up and some spin around and some are paper and some are tin. We have little stickers on the, you know, like uh, fluorescent orange stickers. But the barrel of the gun goes through a hole in some clear plexi. And I think they've even, if memory serves, they've got it situated so you can't actually pull the barrel out of the plexi. So the three rifles are there and the barrels are stuck to the plexi kinda. So in other words, you've got mobility, like you can move the, the butt of the gun, the barrel, what's that called, the stock, I don't know. You can move around all over the place to aim all over the whole target area, no problem, but you can't pull the rifle out by mistake and shoot your dad. Which is very comforting to me. And the pellets come on, you know, because I used to have to load my BB gun, you know, one at a time. Pain, 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 pain. Well, these pellets come in these little um, plastic holders. They kind of remind me of, you know, those cool cap guns? When I was a kid, you know, I was born uh, many years ago and we, I was a cowboy for many years and I had a six shooter or two and the caps, the like super old, do you remember super old school caps? They're basically a roll of paper, like, um, almost like that, like, uh, what, what's it making me think of? Almost like tape, you know, like a roll and you'd shove it in your, your, uh, cap gun and it was basically a roll of paper with little mounds of gunpowder stuck inside of it and you'd bang, 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 and it would do its thing. And then a little later on, you know, cap guns kind of got upscale and then the cap gunpowder would be in this plastic cartridge thing. So you could pop off like 12 shots, bang, 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 uh, through this plastic thing. Well, it was like that. The pellets were holding these plastic cartridges that you'd load into this thing and then load it into the stop. Boom, 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 boom. It was very cool. Well, T was into it right away because she she's a go-getter. T, listen, you definitely are happy she's on our team. Because she's just like, go, go, go. Now, she can't pull the trigger at first. She doesn't really understand the whole pull the trigger thing. So I'm kind of showing her and I take a couple shots at the targets, and, you know, kind of getting her up to speed. Well, once she gets the hang of it, she can go through about 12 shots in a second and a half. Bang, 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 bang. I'm out. But Hudson, meek, pacifist, all defense Hudson. My little, my little angel man, my little leprechaun, born on St. Patrick's Day. He's a hell of a shooter. <laughs> As it turns out, he, he's actually very good. Like, don't, me- don't, don't mess with him because you know what? Yeah. So he's firing away. Ting, 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 ting. Looked at it. I got that one. Ting. I got this one. Ting. I got that one. Look at the, like, wow, dude. Well, what they do is, um, and part of, you know, to get people up there. At the end, you, you shoot, you know, however many rounds. And I think they shot like 240 rounds altogether, something like that. But your last two sets of 12, one of those you, you shoot into a target and that's your little souvenir target. And then the second one, you, tr- you take the coconut, I keep saying coconut, pineapple, pineapple challenge. You try to win the golden pineapple. So what they do is they had, let me think about it, like six of these pineapple targets. And if you hit them, you know, they'd all be lined up vertically, okay? And if you hit it, it swings over to the other side of the pole that it's kind of on. So what you do is you go ding, 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 ding. You try to hit six to go from left to right and then four back. Okay, so basically you have 12 shots. You got to hit 10 clean shots. 10, bam, clean, dead on the target shots, 10 out of 12. So Hudson 
Hudson's done, and it's he's done his target thing, and now he's going to do his coconut. God, I, I listen. Enough. Okay, enough with the coconut. Uh, we didn't see a coconut. We didn't have coconut. I don't think they ever grew coconuts on Lanai. It's pineapple, man. So it's time for him to shoot his pineapples. So he goes ding, 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 and he gets no sweat. The first five. And then he's got them, basically he's got them all but one. And he's out. But the problem is, a couple of them, see they have, you know, you hit it and it swings around. It pivots around on this post. Well, a couple of his didn't swing all the way over. So instead of having a full target to aim at, he... He had to just kind of squeak it in between the post and the back of the post to hit the little sliver of the target that was showing. Now, that's how they get you, I suppose, but it was a little unfair. But H didn't complain. He was very impressed with himself. He was very happy, as he should have been. He really did a great job. He almost won the golden crystal pineapple. And we even saw one. I think. Do we see one before? It's crystal. It's made out of crystal. And the guy said it's real crystal. And then the top of the pineapple is gold. That's a couple inches of crystal. And then an inch of this like gold plated thingy. And he almost won. So T's finishing up and she's hitting her target. But she's, she's tired. Listen, she's been bang, 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 right? 240 rounds. So I so she says she's done. So I said to H, well H, do you wanna you wanna finish up? She's got a, another cartridge here. It's got a couple shots on it. You wanna just take these shots or whatever? So he does. And he's sitting in her seat. So the guy, the guy, you know, the guy. I think his name is Sid. So Sid says, hey, listen, the, your pineapple didn't go all the way around. And you know that's a little funky. You've got three shots left, right? Yeah. Okay. If you can hit from here, that pineapple that's like 90% hidden. If you can hit that pineapple with one of your three shots, I'll give you the crystal golden pineapple. Okay. You got three shots. You can barely see it. It didn't spin around, but I'm not going in there. So from right here, right now, if you can hit it, then you can win it. Are you serious? Yes, I am. If you can hit it, you can win it. Oh, he got it. Thank you for downloading. Uh, next time, I'll, we'll give you the, the flight home. Okay, that's enough. I think it's time. Let's see. What time is it now? Minus three hours. It's probably lunchtime. Okay. Anyway, talk to you soon. Thanks for downloading. Thank you, thank you. Pills produced by Jacket Media. JacketMedia.com, makers of fine podcasts since 2004.